Good morning, welcome, happy new year. Uh, quick vote, am I allowed to say happy new decade? Hands up if it's a yes. Okay, hands up if it's a no, not yet. Uh, very few, very few. Yeah, technically you've only had nine years, so, um, but most of us do say it's a new decade when the first number changes, don't we? So uh, yeah, happy new decade. This is the easiest talk ever, isn't it? Because it's 2020. So 2020 vision around the whole world. There are preachers standing up, women and men standing up and speaking about 2020 vision. And it's, it's a joy to do it. It's really a, a joy and welcome if you're visiting us, if you're trying us out, if you're still in town before you have to go back to work, etc., etc. Whatever, you are so welcome here. Um, really easy talk because I'm sure every single one of us has already had those moments when we've said to ourselves, um, what do we want to give ourselves to in, in the coming year? Um, how do we want things to be different? How do we want to, to grow on stuff? What are we thinking uh, for the year ahead? And so it makes it quite an easy talk, really, doesn't it? Because the person we need to hear from is God, not Andrew. He might use me to share a few words to prompt our thoughts. I, I really hope so. But most of all, we want to hear from God, don't we? So let's pray. Let's pray again. Let's say, God, you're the one we need to hear from. You know, you know the absolute, you know every intimate detail of our stories. You know every fiber of our being. You know the great stuff. You know the hard stuff. God, you know the thoughts that we have that, you know, we'd be so embarrassed if the people around us knew we'd even thought them. You know the things that we celebrate. You know it all. And God, each one of us, the most important thing that could happen today is that we hear from you. The most important thing that could happen is that we get some 2020 vision from you. So I just unashamedly pray right now, Holy Spirit, God with us, would you come? Would you come? Especially for those who, who feel distant from you, God. Especially for those who, who feel a bit dry. Especially for those, Lord, who, who are fearful in any way, lonely. Would you come, God, please? Would you minister to us again? What is the Lord's word? God's word for us.
what does God want for this church? God, what do you say? What do you say about a, a 2020 vision for Trinity? really tempting just to uh, <laughs> just wait for 16 minutes wouldn't it <laughs> could be quite a good idea Josie don't say it everyone's thinking it no one needs to say it you are so welcome so I don't know I hope one thing I mean there's we all only have one or two sermons really and we just repeat them and repackage them you've heard me say I hope before I, I hope you know that this year will have battle and blessing in it so here's a bit of battle I don't know, do you feel like this as you face 2020? Or do you feel like this as you face 2020? There's the R factor moment. I, I, hope you know, I hope you know that this year will have battle and blessing in it. I hope you, you know enough. We've, we've shared it a few times. Gosh, this church family has, has lived this story that... The Christian life always has these elements of, of battle and blessing. It's, it's not the situation that some of us are in, in, in battle mode and somehow struggling and others are in, in just pure blessing mode. And it's certainly not the case that some are being faithful and some are being unfaithful. It's certainly not the case that the, the Lord God is blessing some and not blessing others. It's, it's not the case that the Christian life, that normal life, you know, has somehow these high mountain times where you just sit there and enjoy the view the whole time. The Christian life, normal life, is battle and blessing. And I hope that's, that's an encouragement to every one of us as we pray. I hope it's an encouragement to us in our small groups, in our life together, in family together, that this is normal. And, and I prayed, didn't I, about those thoughts that we have, those doubts that we have that we might not like to share with others. We might wonder if anyone else feels like us. And, you know, would people be embarrassed or would my, my wife be embarrassed if I, if I said that to her? Well, the answer is no. Shouldn't be. Because this is real. This is real life. And it's got battle and it's got blessing. And, and so the first thing about a 2020 vision is not being unrealistic. Please don't hear me not being, you know, about being depressed or not being hopeful. I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying to say about being realistic with each other. That might be the first thing that God wants to, to say to us about a 2020 vision, a, a kind of reality check. You know, Nikki and I had a, had a message from a, an old friend saying that she was going to tell her husband on New Year's Day and her kids on New Year's Day that she was going to take some time out from their marriage. Yeah, this is real. This is real life. Now, what will have led up to that is a million and one things, but one of the things which has led up to it is a lack of communication, a lack of honesty with each other. 
great Christian friends of ours, by the way. So, so is that the first thing that God just wants to say to you about a 2020 vision? In a world that kind of is so focused on big picture and grand and wonderful and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And church leaders can be exactly the same. Is God just saying, well, the beginning of a 2020 vision for you, a beginning of living well, is just to be real with God and with those around you. If, you, if, you're, if you're here today, and there'll, there'll be a percentage of us here today who are, who are not at this point feeling able to be really honest with those closest to them. There'll be a percentage of us here today wondering if the grass is greener on the other side, whether that's another church or another person or another job or another something. There'll be a percentage of us in that camp. If that's you, just at least... Speak honestly to those around you. Just say, this is how I feel. This is who I am at the moment. That's such a foundation for a 2020 vision for health and life. Do you think that's right? Yeah? We know it, don't we? We know it as hard as it is. As hard as it is. I mean, the world definitions of, of, of vision, here's, here's a couple which I think have got such truth in them. A picture of the future that inspires the present. Forward planning with imagination and wisdom. They have real truth, truth in them about what a vision looks like, but their lacking is in the, the why and the how. The why and the how for us as Christians about this, this what, this vision we want to have, is all to do with a real relationship with God. He is the source of imagination and wisdom. Said before, we live in a world full of knowledge. On your smartphone or through your smartphone, you can access all knowledge through your Alexa or Sonos or other brands are available. You can ask a question and you can get all knowledge. But that's not the same as wisdom. Wisdom to know how to live. And God is the source of wisdom and imagination over these few weeks in January, we're going to be looking at Daniel as a, as a model for us, as an example for us of what it means to, to seek to live well, to have healthy habits. Some of the team are going to be speaking over the next three weeks about, about spiritual practices and healthy habits that we see in Daniel. Today, I just want to do the really big picture thing of saying Daniel models for us living faithfully within the big picture of God's sovereignty. Let's read chapter one of Daniel together. It's a little bit to read through. The words are fairly small on the screens. You can open a Bible or switch it on as well. Big picture, living faithfully within the context of God's sovereign purposes. The whole of Daniel chapter one. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. 
And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. That's your end-of-year summary, David. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, can't say it. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. But, the, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God, notice the theme already, who's sovereign in the story, Nebuchadnezzar is the big guy in town, but who's sovereign? Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. You might be going vegan for January. And you could learn perhaps that lesson from Daniel. Maybe. I'm not vegetarian or vegan myself, but I'm trying to eat less meat. But here are just some key points which speak into what it means to have a 20 
20 vision. I'll read them for you. It's 605 BC. It's after the defeat of the unfaithful King Jehoiakim. You can read about that in 2 Kings. Daniel has been taken to Babylon with a a young group of Israelite nobles who the Babylonians want to use in their service. It's a strongly polytheistic culture, full of temptation. So there's every kind of God on offer. But Daniel stands firm in those circumstances. He follows God's will for dietary regulations, for worship practices, and he rises to become one of the top administrators in the kingdom. Daniel is a book of contrasts. It's a contrast between a culture of idolatry, a culture of every God goes with his holiness and his purity. And it's a a book of contrast between the arrogance of worldly power symbolized by Nebuchadnezzar and then the humble encounter that Nebuchadnezzar has with the living God. Earthly power, divine power. At the beginning of a new decade, where there is the reality of battle and blessing for every single one of us. Daniel is a model of what it looks like to live well and to live right in your circumstances against the backdrop of God's sovereign power. When we get to look at the lion's den or we have a look at being... um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being saved from the the fiery furnace. When we look towards the end of Daniel, we see the prophetic revelations looking to the future, the ancient of days coming. God's sovereignty, God's purposes, God's power. And the question, what does it look like to live faithfully for us? Do you not think that Daniel said, God, it'd be easier to serve you in a different place? Do you not think that that Daniel might have thought to himself, well, it was a lot better back in Jerusalem. It was back, you know, kind of in in the green places rather than in exile in a foreign land. Do you not think that Daniel said, God, well, look, you know, all these all these temptations and powers around me, all this worldly stuff. Do you not think Daniel Prayed like we might pray, asked like we might ask, think like we might think. And yet, he lived faithfully within those circumstances. And I'm not going to promise you that if you do that, you will become a top administrator in the nation. I'm not going to promise you that you will have prosperity. This is not a prosperity gospel. I'm not going to promise you that you'll be wealthy. I'm not going to promise you that you will, be, uh, you, know, you will get a promotion at work if you live like this. But I am going to say to you that we can live well in our circumstances. 
God has called every one of us and placed us in a, in a family, in a, in a street, in a neighborhood, at a school gate, in a, in a workplace, in a network of relationships for a purpose. And true wisdom, true 2020 vision comes from living faithfully in those circumstances. The grass is not greener. The grass is not greener. One of the misquoted verses of the Bible is Proverbs 29.18. People know, uh, here's the message version of it. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. In the King James Version, it says, without vision, the people will perish. And that, that first part of that verse is often used by preachers when they're doing their vision sermons at the beginning of a year. The problem is, it plays into the idea that vision is a strap line or a slogan. As the message version brings out, the second part of the verse says that where wisdom comes, where vision comes from, where living well comes from, is in obedience to the revealed will of God. A new job title, a new marriage, a new home, a new pay packet, dare I even say a new church, is not what you need. God may call into those things, but he will call out of living faithfully where you are now, where I am now. Friends, we don't need a 2020 vision for somewhere else. We need a, a 2020 vision for right where we are now, where God has placed us. That's what's really exciting. Is how could God give you new eyes to see new things in new ways right where you are now, if that's what you need? I hope you know that God's vision for our lives has three dimensions. It gives oversight. Yes, that is the, the big picture, the future, the, the, the inspiring, passion-making thing that we need. And I will share a bit more about that. God's vision, though, also gives us foresight. It gives us the next step. And in my life, after 56 years, I can tell you that more often than not, God only reveals the next step rather than the big picture. So if you're sitting here waiting for that big picture, you may be disappointed because God may be saying to you, I'm showing you the next step, the first step of faithful living. And of course, God's vision for us also gives us insight, doesn't it, to make sense of what is going on in the here and now. So again, let's pause. Let's say, God, we need to hear your voice this day. If it is your will to reveal to us oversight, if it is your will to reveal big pictures to us, then thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We, we love it when you do do that. 
But God, we also know as for Daniel, you so often show us the the first step. You give us insight within our circumstances. Holy Spirit, would you give us, God, would you give us a vision for who we're called to be, where we are now. And again, if that first step for some of us in this room is simply being real with you, God, or real with those closest to us, would you give us the eyes to see and the courage to take that step? Why don't you just turn to your neighbour and say, oh gosh, hang on a second, Andrew, you're meant to be doing all the talking, not us. Um, Could you just turn to your neighbour and say one thing that you might take away from what hopefully God has been prompting in you so far? Is that all right? And if you're on your own somewhere, you're going to have to just move only for a moment just to say one thing you might take away from this so far about a 2020 vision. Daniel's example. And if I, if I can just gently encourage everyone just to, even if you have to move, just to say something to someone. It's how our brains work. We, uh, things get reinforced in us when we hear someone say something or we say something to someone else. If you see people on their own, why don't you bless them? Okay. <laughs> you'll, uh, you'll no doubt be delighted to know that I'm not going to ask you to, I'm not going to ask you to share, but I just, I really, when I was 
praying about this, I just felt, felt God really reminding me personally, um, as someone who loves big picture vision and as someone who is very future orientated in my thinking, someone who uh, can easily live for tomorrow rather than today. I just felt God reminding me personally, but I, I think for us as a church family, just to notice in the Daniel story how it was his faithful obedience in the small day-to-day things that were used by God as part of this bigger canvas. Daniel is such a significant book for pointing about everything that God is doing in history and to the future. And whatever our political flavour If we had any doubt about God's sovereignty in the world with all of the events going on, again, Daniel is a reminder to us that the center line of history is God's story. And his purposes are working their way through, however things may seem. Briefly, I just want to finish, in a sense, what's already been said is the most important and what God may say to you is the most important. But just, I briefly just want to ask this question about how, how you then see yourself, how we each see ourselves as part of the bigger picture of what God is doing here. Our personal 2020 vision within the context of Trinity's all-in vision, just, just briefly. And they might also give some pointers as to things that God would call each one of us to do. So here's the little graphic, our all-ins, with God, with each other, and, and for the world. All-in with God, then, first of all. Well, Daniel also sets us an example about the priority of prayer and the priority of worship. The dietary regulations that he was being asked to to go with, the way in which he was being called to live his life in his culture were, were in opposition to God's call to him to worship and to pray. It is our first calling. It is the foundation of any personal 2020 vision and it has to be for any corporate Trinity 2020 vision. We use the, the, the phrase walking with God. It's the little umbrella thing over a whole bank of resources. It's the presence of God that we need. We've hopefully modeled something of that this morning. We've got our kingdom come, uh, a day of prayer on Thursday, and how we pray is entirely up to us through that day. But will you set Thursday at least as a day for prayer for everything that God is calling you to and calling us to? Will you come to that prayer meeting in the evening on Thursday night if you possibly can? Will you not leave it to someone else to pray on your behalf? Will you take seriously that we are a body and that every bit of the body matters? Will you take seriously when God says it doesn't matter if you're an ear or an eye or a finger or an appendix or a whatever? We lose out when you're not in it with us. So pray, pray. 
And for yourself, as this next little slide just reminds us of the the five key catalysts for for spiritual growth there are, which are the ones that you're going to give yourself to in 2020 as we as a church try and resource? Worship and prayer, I've already mentioned. Life groups, being in some kind of small group. No one is under any illusions that we've been struggling a little bit with our life groups over the last couple of years. We're reimagining and rethinking but we're not going to do it by us as a leadership somehow putting on something that will be worth people going to or coming to. That's not how it works in church. Church works by us being committed, by us saying, I will make this group the best group that it can be. I will go to my life group. I will prioritize it in my diary. Friends, I used to drive more than 40,000 miles a year in work, and I made my home group pretty well every single week. Because I would drive back from wherever I was to get to my home group. And I did it because of what I was going to give to the other people, as it was called in those days, a home group. Not what I was going to get from it myself. I don't say that to big myself up, but that's the Christian life. You go to your life group for a while as a Christian, primarily for what you get from it. That's the truth. But after a while, you go because as you give, you receive. Yeah? Personal spiritual habits. Which are the ones that you're going to pursue in 2020? Accountability relationships. Are you accountable to anyone? Stepping out, serving, and taking risks. Those last three, you'll remember, are the more significant the longer you've been a Christian. Beginning of your Christian journey, the first two most important. The longer you've been a Christian, the last three become more and more important for your growth. All in with each other. Friends, we continue in times of transition as a church family. We need each other. The vision for this church is called all in because we need each other to be all in. This is the nature of church. We are a body together. We have a big picture thing, which is a a roof project that we've got to do this year, but it's called Roof Plus, because there's a practical reason that we need a roof, which is we don't want it to fall in on our heads. And we'd like to worship here and do alpha here and do element here and gather people. This is a place of gathering. There are plenty of churches that don't need buildings like this, but God has called this flavor of church to have a mission resource hub. I wish it didn't cost £550,000. I wish it was possible to do it cheaper, but it isn't. It's a massive maintenance job. It's lasted 200 years. That's not bad going. That's not bad going. I wish it had happened a different time, but it's our generation. The baton is put into our hands. Some of you in this room, many of you have contributed to other bits. Thank you so much. But for this family right now, this is our challenge. I don't know if you've ever seen this picture. The next one, please. Portland Street's new development, redevelopment. Council got £3 million last year to make it happen. It's going ahead. The red is where Trinity is. The bit in front of Trinity, right down there, is called Trinity Place. The piazza is called 
Trinity place. The, the line that goes down from Trinity goes down to the brewery, and across it, the tree line bit takes you from the centre of town to Pitville Park. Have you ever wished that Trinity was closer to the centre of Cheltenham? Well, God is moving the centre of Cheltenham to in front of Trinity. <laughs> That's a pretty big sovereign thing, isn't it? Do you think it would be a good idea to have a building that looks open and alive and welcomes people? Yes? yes. yes? Someone just said, get your wallets out. (laughs) This is why we're asking for people to make a greater investment in this building. Personally, my little cog slide, what are you giving here? How are you serving? And friends, I do mean how are you serving, not just in helping, you know, to put stuff on, things that the leadership team do. To, I, I mean, serving in every way, using your gifts, using your talents, using who you are. We have major financial decisions to take. We need people with financial gifts. We have all kinds of things that as a church family, we're being called to be and to do. We want to absolutely up our game with the not on our turf anti-slavery campaign in race week there's a few guys already involved with that we need more people we need you and your gifts i as the leader here do not know everything that i need to know just in case you had any doubts we need each other we need you yes financially as well Final one, all in for the world. It's why we exist. Daniel's purpose in a place of exile was to serve in the mission of God. This is why we are here right now. David's already reminded us. We're called to be a mission movement. Here's my wild salmon, not a farmed salmon. We're called to be a place that equips and sends. Where you serve now, where you work, where you live, who you socialize with, that is the mission edge of this church. You are the missionaries of this church. And all of us who work here, who are enabled to work here by your generous giving, are here to equip and serve you in your mission calling. Yes, tonight, Bishop Rachel will come and launch us as a a resource church. Here's just a graphic, which you may or not be able to read. A resource church is a church which is designated as such by the diocesan bishop. That means, different to somehow how it's been in the past here, where we've wanted to do mission things and we felt like we might not be in tune with the diocese. This is our diocese, the Diocese of Gloucester, saying, the bishop leading, saying she wants us to be involved in church planting and mission work. It's part of a strategy for the diocese to evangelize Cheltenham and and, and Gloucester and, and further. It's where we will be intentionally resourced to plant other churches. So I don't know the time scale, but we will have, for example, someone appointed here as a pioneer curate. 
They'll, they'll be put on the team here to be here for a year or two, gather a group of people, and then go and plant churches in other places. We actually get resources channeled through us. And we're to develop a pipeline of leaders for planting, and we're providing resources for mission across the city or town. Under the banner of Love Cheltenham, six or seven church leaders, myself and six or seven other churches and church leaders, have been praying regularly over the last two years. We're looking to invite J. John to come and do a mission next year. We're looking to do a whole series of things across the town under the banner of Love Cheltenham. The first thing that I think Bishop Rachel will say she's going to call us to uh, tonight is around probably young adults and youth. That's likely to be across the whole diocese to, to think about mission and church. And then, and then the second one, I suspect, will be uh, to plant on a new housing development. And then finally, personally. Growing greener. Where's your space? Where's your opportunity to be all in for the world? Daniel did this, didn't he? Within his circumstances, he created green mission space around him by being obedient to God's word, by being faithful to God's calling. What does that look like for you? Who are you going to make friends with this year? Who are you going to invite invite round for dinner? How are you going to uh, go to your boss and say, I really love our company's agenda for ethical trading and work. As As a Christian, that's something I'm really passionate about. How are you going to be the person at the school gate who goes to that, that father or mother who always stands slightly on their own? How are you going to get ready to host the street party next Christmas in your little street and close? Because you'll need to start building relationships now. How are you going to say in your workplace, anyone else want to pray for this workplace, this community? How are you going to create that space where God can work? 